the Buddha points out in the teachings that right view, samaditi, comes first. It's the first element of the, the Eightfold Path. And there's a reason, a reason why he, he put that at the very head, the very beginning of the, the path. Also said, like the, the lightening of the sky is a forerunner of the dawn and the rising of the sun, so too, right view, samaditi, is the, the forerunner of all wholesome states. Everything wholesome, everything good, is based upon right view. As right view as its precursor, as its foundation. At the beginning of a retreat period like this, formal group practice, and the winter retreat already being somewhat underway, it's valuable, helpful to be bringing this to mind. Bringing this consideration to the center of things, right view. On one level, right view can mean having an understanding, a conceptual understanding that's in accord with the Pali Canon, with the the Buddha's teachings. But on a more profound level, it's not just a matter of having a conceptual agreement or feeling that ideas or pieces of information seem true or accurate, but it's on a more profound level. It's to do with the whole way of seeing. It's like having the the glasses that you need, the spectacles that you need to read close up or to see long distances, that having the right glasses on, if you need them, helps the the vision to be clear. It's a a mode of seeing, a, a mode of knowing. It's not just information. It's not just ideas or opinions or or scriptural knowledge. But it's a right view in its essence. Samaditi is about a way of seeing how the heart relates to the field of experience, the, the flow of experience. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, imagining, emotion, intention, the whole array of inner and outer experiences. Or the right in right view, it doesn't just mean right as opposed to wrong, it more has the quality of being attuned or balanced, upright. attuned to reality, in tune with the way things are. And one of the ways that the the Buddha defined that mode of seeing, or that way of appreciating the field of experience, the, the sense world, the world of thought and feeling, emotion, 
is in the the presence or absence of dukkha, of dissatisfaction. Right view is seeing in terms of the Four Noble Truths, not just carrying around the idea of the Four Noble Truths or remembering what they are and believing that they're true, but that being the very framework through which each moment is appreciated. Like right now, in this moment, is there the experience of dukkha? Dissatisfaction, incompleteness, insecurity, alienation. Is the heart less than totally free, peaceful, boundless? Is there dukkha? If there is, whether we're focusing upon the sounds that we hear or the feelings in the body or the memory of a an encounter that we had this morning, or worrying about an illness that we might have, or excitement about a plan for the future. Whatever the attention might be focused upon, is there dukkha? Is there a feeling, a quality of incompleteness or dissatisfaction? Any kind of wrongness or limitation? Ownership. Seeing in terms of the Four Noble Truths and the development of Samaditi, right view, is far more that shift of focus. To notice how the heart is taking hold of appreciating the qualities of this moment what is being brought to this moment, to seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, feeling. And if there is dukkha, if there's any kind of incompleteness or alienation or blandness, limitation or burden, any kind of stressing, of any kind, subtle or coarse. Even if it's a pleasant experience that we're hoping continues. We're really glad we've got this, wanting to hang on to it, hoping it continues. If there's even that kind of dukkha of happiness, notice that. Where's it coming from? Noticing its source, its origin, working with it to let go, to wake up to that that grasping, that subtle or coarse holding on, attachment, identification. And then through that awareness, seeing that moment transform. The experience of this present reality, that sound, that feeling, that idea, that memory, It's transformed. It's the ending of dukkha, dukkha niroda. Sometimes the feelings of dukkha, suffering, are very obvious. A pain in your leg, a loud noise outside the room, an ongoing conflict with somebody that you live with, a worry about an illness or a prospects for the future. 
Something can be obvious, vivid. But more often than not, dukkha, and the, the dukkha that is most difficult to work with, is the ordinary, everyday habits of attachment and identification. The mind creating the world of self and time and things. The Buddha said, Sabe Sankara Dukkha. All conditioned things are unsatisfactory. As the, the mind creates the world of things, me as a person, this building, this, these words, that very thingness, thingness, is dukkha, unsatisfactory. Sabe sankara dukkha. During the course of the day, just that feeling of me, me just walking from one place to another, me as an individual, my, per, my body, my personal life, my mind, me walking from this place to that place, just that meanness, identification with the body, the personality, with activity creating time, creating place, creating things. These are all the subtle kinds of dukkha that the mind is generating, moment by moment, day by day. So as we develop the practice, it's a challenging of that habit of creation, the habit of creating things, people, time, place. So easily a mind just dismisses the ordinary, just an ordinary day, an ordinary Wednesday, an ordinary morning, my ordinary body, my ordinary mind, my ordinary personality, my ordinary room, my ordinary meditation. It dismisses things because they're familiar. It doesn't realize that it's the very attitude that is being brought to this moment that creates that dissatisfaction, that incompleteness, that dukkha, that subtle and continually, steadily created dukkha. But the seeing in terms of the Four Noble Truths points out that that dukkha is created, it's conditioned, it arises. And if it's not no longer created, if the cause of its creation, those habits of attachment, identification, come to an end, then the dukkha stops. The heart is freed. And what seemed to be ordinary or unremarkable, not special, my body, my mind, my day, my practice, the Dhamma is revealed within that. It's like in the word in the Thai language for ordinary, tamada. I like to point out over and over again how 
Tamada, meaning ordinary, unremarkable, not special. It comes from the Pali word Dhammata, meaning of the nature of Dhamma, of the nature of ultimate reality. Dhammata, of the nature of Dhamma. So hidden within the ordinary is the transcendent, the liberated, the ultimately real. This ordinary day, this ordinary moment, this ordinary body, this ordinary mind, this ordinary feeling. If it's known, received through awareness, through vicha, known, free of identification, free of judgment, free of attachment, then the Dhamma is revealed, ever-present. How could it not be here? How could it not be the very fabric of this reality? So establishing right view, samaditi, a view attuned to reality, then the beginning of this uh, formal retreat time of group practice, I encourage us all just to notice during the course of each day how often, how regularly the mind creates these subtle kinds of attachment to the body, the personality, the routine, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, thoughts, emotions, memories, ideas. See how the mind can let go of creating that thingness, giving it a false substantiality, a false solidity, to let go of identification. Who does this belong to? What other time is there than now? Who is going somewhere and where is there to get to? These ways of reflection help to break up those habits of identification, those subtle kinds of dukering, creating the world of things and time, people, identity, location. Letting go of that, and then the Dhamma is revealed. Lumpur Sumedha has often pointed out how the Dhamma is unimaginable. He's spoken about that a lot recently. We can't create a mental image of Dhamma, that reality. It's beyond imagination, but it's ever-present. Also, in this practice, rather than trying to create an image of Dhamma or an explanation of what is it, what is the Dhamma, even phrasing a question like that turns that fundamental reality into a thing out there. We, we can change the approach rather than what is the Dhamma being a question, to reflect instead, this is the Dhamma. When the heart lets go, 
in that moment of freedom from identification and attachment, what is here is the Dhamma. This heart, this very jitta, this mind, this is the Dhamma. This very quality of spaciousness, peacefulness, simplicity that's present when the clinging stops. This is the Dhamma. It's not somewhere else. It's not a thing in a world of other things. It's this, this very heart that is awake, that is aware, that's revealed whenever the clinging stops.